We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome back. It's the Big Blue Banter, New York Giants football podcast. I'm Dan Schneier, joined as always my co-host, Nick Filato. Tonight, we're here to break down the Giants All-22 film, the defense against the New England Patriots in a 10-7 win. Uh, let's start here, Nick. Was this, you hinted at it yesterday, but was this, this simply put, the most disgusting offensive film you've ever seen? And that, by the way, if he does agree to that statement, boys and girls, ladies and gentlemen of all ages, that is saying a lot when you consider how much Giants film we've watched over the last five years of this offensive team. But my God, were the Patriots pathetic on offense in this game? It's saying too much, Dan, because the Giants under Jason Garrett, it was really hard to watch. But I honestly thought we were at a best buy, Dan, because there were so many screens in this game. That's like the entire game plan of the New England Patriots was throw a screen, throw a screen to DeMario Douglas. And it actually worked a little bit when they were getting 81 involved. Like maybe that's my bias. I do like DeMario Douglas a lot. Worked a little bit. Then Cam Brown punched him in the face, knocked him out of the game. And then it was like, well, we can't really do this with Devontae Parker, but Juju Smith shoes or who else do they have at wide receiver? Like that offense objectively is terrible. Yeah, the quarterback position is horrendous. The offensive line, I don't think the offensive line is is terrible, but it's, it's nothing to write home about. And then you have, I would say, an okay tight end in Hunter Henry. I think that's a that's a solid tight end. Yeah. You have like nothing else other than Ramondre Stevenson, who I get it, Patriots suck. Still was fun to watch Ramondre just with some of the moves that he made at the line of scrimmage to make a New York Giants defender miss and then at least pick up an extra yard or two. But holy hell, bro. I thought Bill O'Brien would at least Nah. change the fortune of this offense a little bit despite the inefficiency they have at quarterback and, and the uh absolute garbage they have at the receiver position but holy shit bro it is uh it is rough in the streets of new england but you're right too like before the season i have my expectations for teams based on their new coaching situations and i gotta be honest i feel like i get a lot of them right nick i do get some wrong and this is one i got wrong i really thought bill o'brien was going to help fix this offense and you know partly because well, last year it was Joe Judge and uh, Matt Patricia running the offense. And I was like, how could it possibly get worse? And I'm like, yeah, you look back at Mac Jones rookie season. He wasn't that bad. He was pretty solid. Bill O'Brien could probably get him back to that point or maybe better. I really do respect Bill O'Brien and the work he did with Deshaun Watson, among other quarterbacks, you know, in his career. But no, it's not the case. I mean, Mac Jones was horrible in this game. I brought up the stat on Sunday's show where if he had just dropped back and spiked every single play, Instead of doing what he did, Mac Jones, he would have given the Patriots a better chance to win by EPA. That's crazy. And then Bailey Zappi comes in and seven of his first eight throws are behind the line of scrimmage. It's just that was insane. That was like almost potentially worse than Jake Fromm. It was potentially honestly worse than the Jake Fromm Giants because like I felt like I saw an occasional throw downfield with the Jake Fromm Giants. There was just none of that for this Patriots team. I was hoping to see Joe Judge take the reins from Bill O'Brien <laughs> and then we would just see Bailey Zappi set hike. Neil said, hike, Neil, and just victory do one of those yeah. victory formation when there's no chance at victory. Yeah, it was unbelievable. And even through it all, the Giants, you know, they almost won this game. The Patriots, they were driving down at the end to kick a field goal. They missed like a what 41 yarder, which is 35, 35. That's like a chip shot in today's mm -hmm. NFL. They turned it over in the red zone. That took another three off. And they also had the turnover that led to the Giants. One of their points. all, of actually, all, all 10, all points, 10 points came up. Turnover. This is. 
we're not going to get back into it, Nick, but if it does end up mattering and the quarterback, they do end up drafting the Patriots, does end up being a superstar, I will always remember this game, and I will personally never be happy about all those things that led to them being a win. But in the moment, we can enjoy the win, I'm sure. Great, great. But, you know, Giants defense, despite it all, had a really good game in this game. And I know the matchup helped, Nick, but I felt like there were some really good individual plays. You're putting up some of the plays now. Um, so do you want to get into some of the film analysis, Nick? Um, not quite. No, I'm just okay. running some plays. These are highlights of Kayvon Thibodeau and just other individual efforts from players sure. like Jason Pinnock, who I felt like had a good game and Xavier oh, yeah. McKinney. So we'll talk over this and then we'll break down some of the more interesting plays and the interceptions a little bit later on in the podcast. I got to say, man, I have this written in my notes and I hope that this transcends through the years of the contract of Bobby O'Karake. But this guy is worth every dime of the $10 million a year that they're paying him. Not even just with the interception, which he did a good job flowing to that to the, on the fiddle technique to uh, Demario Douglas, who, who was releasing out from the uh, backfield and kind of running a Texas type of route. But it's how he gets his hands into these throwing lanes. We talked so much about this guy's length. He had a, PB, a very important PBU in this game as well. I don't know if that play would have been completed. Bailey Zappi ended up throwing it. I, I'm not honestly unsure if it would have been, but just the fact that he closes these windows so damn quickly and he's very smart and we see the upgrade in the rushing defense with him out there, it really makes me look to the future and think at least the Giants have now two good quality linebackers. I mean, we've been bringing it up a lot, but I really love what uh, I saw from Bobby Okereke in this game specifically. Yeah, I agree with you. Bobby Okereke has been a smash hit for the Giants in free agency, and we haven't had too many major free agent hits over the years that have sustained their dominance. So let's just look at back at some that we really liked at first. Damon Harrison, Olivier Vernon had a good first year, Janoris Jenkins. None of those were really sustainable. They were kind of flash in the pan type of impacts they had on the Giants, and by the end of every one of those contracts, the Giants wanted out or they traded the player to get out. I am hopeful that Bobby O'Karake will buck that trend. Obviously, you can have worse ones, too, like Nate Solder that never works out or Kyle Rudolph. <laughs> Kyle Rudolph. Embarrassing signing that was by Dave Gettleman. But, you know, we're hoping that Bobby O'Karake is the guy who bucks that trend. And I don't really see any reason why he wouldn't, Nick, outside of one factor. You know what that one factor is going to be, right? What, injury? No, not even. But that's obviously okay. a, a true factor always. It's going to be if the rumors are true about Brian Dable and Wink Martindale. Okay. And they do move on from Wink Martindale. It's going to be a massive hit for Bobby O'Karake. This doesn't mean I don't think Bobby O'Karake can thrive in a different system. It just means we're going to ask him to learn a brand new system when we already saw this year coming into a brand new system that it took him a little bit of time. It took him time to click. It took time for Bobby O'Karake to play as fast as he's playing now, to play as confidently as he's playing now with his reads, both in the run and pass game. So if they do move on from Wake Martindale and they ask him to run a new system, one, I don't know if it will fit Bobby O'Karake's skill set as well as this one does, because this one is perfect for his skill set. It's part of the reason why the Giants paid Bobby O'Karake, because they believed he was the linebacker Wake Martindale needed. So then you ask him to learn a new system and we'll see what happens there. So I am really hopeful that is just smoke personally. You brought up Leslie Frazier's name uh, on yesterday's podcast, just because of the link that they, they were in sure. Buffalo together. They couldn't know each other. I don't know how some of this giants personnel would fit in that defense. And that's something that I like thinking. him as a coordinator too. Yeah. But... It, it's, a, it's just a completely different uh, defense, so different. man. You're going to see a little bit more zone coverage. You're going to see yep. a more even front. You have bigger, longer defensive ends as the end man on the line of scrimmage. So where does that leave Kayvon Thibodeau? Can Kayvon execute those assignments? Right. I think he can. I think he's adaptable enough. But I honestly think this role that Wink Martindale has for him, and I get it, a lot of people chastised it because he's dropping into coverage. But look at this season. He's over 10 sacks. This is his right. sophomore year, Kayvon Thibodeau, and he is already over 10 sacks. No Edge rusher has gone over 10 sacks in a Wink Martindale system. I honestly believe, man, with, with the way this kid's playing, I don't want to change the defense Same. at all. And, and the I don't Giants really also want to have go to cover Leslie Frazier front for like Dexter Lawrence purposes, too. That's another yeah. issue. If you yeah, go back then, like that's another big issue. There's a lot of issues. I don't think it suits Michael McFadden's game that well, though. I think he could play within more systems, but it just, I don't love the idea of going away from this Wink Martindale system right when teams, are, in my opinion, the players are starting to click in it. I mean, we're putting the cart before the horse. We're yeah. not really 100% sure what is going to happen. So let's sure. get back to this this game plan against Patriots. And to no one's surprise, the safeties were uber aggressive oh, yeah. in this game. It, it seemed like the Giants' defense against the Patriots 
they were playing the Giants offense over the last five years. It's just safeties driving downhill. You saw 27 in the box often. And Jason Pinnock had three huge tackles at the line of scrimmage. I think he was, um, I think they had four stops according to pro football focus, but three really stuck out to me on the tape of him just flying into the gap yep. and absolutely obliterating. You're watching on screen right now. He just obliterated Juju Smith-Schuster as Juju tried to do like a Y insert type yep. of block, wide receiver insert, if you want to call it that. And Pinnock just, took the guy's soul and then made the tackle. I know there's been a lot of talk in the last two weeks about Jason Pinnock. I think Lawrence Tynes, I think we brought this up for a lot, a lot of people in the league, according to Lawrence Tynes says that he's like a top five to 10 safety in the league. And I was like, that's, it seems very a homerish, right? And Lawrence Tynes also said Daniel Jones is going to be an MVP candidate this year. So let's, let's okay. make sure we just take that with the context. Yeah. Let's take that with the context. I do want to at least give a little bit of credence to Lawrence Tynes. Sure. Just saying he's a professional. I'm not athlete. thinking he might... shot at Lawrence. No, he's I know. I know. Daniel Jones. He's I get it. He likes Jones, but and he could be hearing that. Tynes yeah. definitely has more connections than we do to the NFL. That was exactly my point. Pinnock is what? Almost 6'1", 205, 210 pounds. We know the range. We know the length that right. he has. And he's only 24 years old. And I think that's the uh, part about Jason Pinnock that is lost a lot. He's still young, like really young. Like there are rookies coming into the league right. that are 24 years old. We always, or at least me, maybe I'm only guilty of this, but maybe there are others. We think of Jason Pinnock, like, yeah, oh, the Giants, you know, they found this guy. They're giving him a shot out there. I think he's just more than that at this point. I think and that's I fair to say, because I think the thing with Jason Pinnock is he has a few things working for him as far as his future development goes. And those things are one. I feel like he has his head on straight completely. I've listened to him in interviews. I feel like he's got that side of it, the mental side of it down completely from just the drive, the leadership, all those things. Two, I've liked what I've seen on tape with his ability in coverage when he's breaking out of football, the angles he's take. He almost had an interception, I believe, a week or two ago. And then finally, when he's driving downhill in the box, the only issues I still have with Pinnock are in space as a tackler. And that's just something that, you know, maybe he'll work on or maybe that just will be a part of his game at all times. And you could still be a great player, though, if you have that as your deficiency, especially if you're able to do the things that we just discussed, which is one drive downhill and be a force in the box. And then two, you know, make plays in the in, in the deep half in coverage. So let's go over the real analysis right here as we watch a tackle near the line of scrimmage. This celebration by Jihad Ward. I put in the comments or I put on Twitter, I was like, I am not cool enough to understand what this celebration is. Somebody said it's him adjusting his crown because he's the king. And if that's if that's the case, it's a pretty cool celebration because I had no idea what the hell he was doing over the last yeah. two years. Now, we don't see the celebration all that much with with uh, with Hattie over here, but or Hattie, however we pronounce it. That's um still a pretty cool. one. what's your take on that, Dan? You know what? One thing I've noticed, Nick, over the years doing this podcast with you, uh, you I'm not really cool. Care what i'm not cool no i mean you're cooler than we're not neither of us are cool yeah, uh, right. neither of us are hip neither of us are cool i i don't even want to be so it doesn't matter to me but you really care a lot more than i do about these celebrations not that's not a bad thing i just never <laughs> think about them i never see them i never even notice them when i'm watching the tape i move on to the next play i'm not a huge celebration raider guy i guess or interested in too much celebrations but you know cool i, I think I, I you always ask me nick like what's my take and i feel like i always just say that's pretty cool because i think i'm too <laughs> not cool to know if it is cool or not so yeah i, I have no idea another, that's pretty cool I'm not hip enough either. So I like asking. And also it just gives us, you know, fodder that we can go back and forth yeah. with. But I'll say this. I, I see so many different celebrations from these guys who are now, you know, significantly younger than me. And I'm like, I have no idea what they're doing, but I'm going to just imagine it's something from either Fortnite or TikTok. Yeah. Well, there, there's the thing with celebrations. You have a wide range of array of opinions on celebrations. I was watching with an older fan, uh, a couple game, a, a game recently, and he was so angry about, I think it was the, 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 uh, Christmas day game. He was so angry that these players were celebrating at any time. Like you're down 14 points. What are you doing? Like you're down 10 points. You're down three points. Get back to the huddle. You, you know how it goes. And, and I just of like, course. Hey, well, that's one take too. I just never cared too much about celebrations personally. I've had coaches that were like that. Like if you celebrate a little bit, they're like, uh, yeah, celebrate, blah, blah, blah. it's just like, oh my God, come on. Let us have a little bit of fun. I know, really, right. Curmudgeons out here. Yeah, yeah. but but back to 27, man. Um, I, I think you're right about the open field tackling. I think a big reason why he has so many missed tackles though, and I haven't even looked at PFF, I'm imagining he does just by going through the tape. It's because he doesn't wrap up. It's not like he struggles to find the angle and True. he's misjudging his path to the tackle point. He gets to the tackle point. He's just too confident at the tackle point. He's just throwing his shoulder into these running backs who, frankly, can handle that. So right. if he just secures his tackle, all he had to do was hug. Embrace the hug 
okay? Pretend it's Valentine's Day. Do whatever you have to do to wrap that guy up and drag him to the deck because he is strong enough to do all of that. It's just he's getting overconfident, just throwing a shoulder, and that's more flashy than anything else. That's a fair point, and I, I think that is far outweighed by what we've seen in the positives, which is, again, yes. those instincts and the break on the balls and coverage and then that ability to drive downhill. He's an exciting prospect for the Giants for sure. I just still feel like and I'm gung-ho on this, Nick, and I'll make the case at another date, another podcast, but I am going to be strong in favor of, of Xavier McKinney resigning with this team um, and the Giants paying him. I don't care what the con- – I actually don't personally care what the contract is because I'm pretty sure, Nick, that within two years the Giants are going to be on a rookie contract scale again at quarterback. So I'm not really caring right now about 10 million here or 13 million here when I'm going to get 45 million off the books at some point at the quarterback position. And no offense to Jones. I know some people are still believers. Maybe he can, you know, figure it out in next year or something and, you know, play through the contract or whatever. But, you know, at this point, maybe it's possible. You never know. I mean, he's going to have a better opportunity now that they're winning games, but. I think it's likelier the Giants will be out of that contract by 2025, which will mean, am I really going to, what am I going to prioritize, Nick? Saving $15 million a year for Xavier McKinney and not having a 24-year-old leader on the roster who knows the system, plays a million roles in it, and can do a lot of different things, or have that not on my roster, open up a hole to save $15 million out of a $280 million cap. Like, that's the thing, like... I can't penny pinch anymore with the cap stuff, Nick. I just don't care anymore. I don't think it matters enough to save three million here, four million here when we already have like twenty-seven million in dead cap to Galladay this year, right? Like, and things like that happen every year for every football team. The Eagles, the Chiefs, dude. Have you seen their cap situations? They're just hemorrhaging. They're just signing whatever they want, pushing back, pushing back. Like, I'm not gonna cheap penny pinch on Xavier McKinney personally. I don't think that's a terrible take, but 15 million a year, like resetting the safety market, it really just depends. No, it's on not going to, is that what it would be? That would reset. He'll never get like, let's well, see what Jesse sa- the now. safety, the safety market is, is higher than 15 million a year. Cause okay. Derwin James and Jesse Bates, I think Derwin I James still might be at the top of it, okay. but I was thinking somewhere a little bit North of Marcus Williams, which if I'm not mistaken is 14 million a year. That's okay. still a lot of money for a safety. I still I believe in Xavier McKee. Like viewed that way, though, around the NFL. That's the thing. People, Giants fans say, oh, he's going to have to take $15 million a year. I'm like, is he even viewed that way right now? I know he had a big draft pedigree, but like, what would, you know what I mean? Like, I'm not so sure he's viewed that way around the NFL. I'm wondering if, well, I don't even know if Patrick Graham is going to be there as the, right. the defensive he's, coordinator. He's not going to be there in Vegas. So if he's not there in Vegas, He's an Alabama prospect, though, and he, we know that he can do a lot of different things. You know that he is a, a smart individual. Yeah, yeah. Then I mean, so he's viewed that same way by the and by the NFL. And the stats don't really. And the fact that he doesn't have stats can't help his cause, right? I mean, no. I, I would. Uh, I would no, say no, it can't help his cause. Smarter but, to look at the tape. Yeah, but yeah, the yeah, thing yeah. is, man, a lot of these teams, they're 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 pro football departments. Their sole job yeah, is scouting. to scouting to scout the tape and see what their yeah, role. They're not are, worried about this. Do right. So that's, they're going to have a high, a lot of teams are going to have high grades on Xavier McKinney. It's just, we know that the safety market has been somewhat devalued. It's like right. the running back of the defense. There's right. a lot of, you know, safeties who are talented. Julian love talented safety starting to come around a little bit with Seattle. He got 6 million a year. A lot of right. people, like, I thought he would get like 10. I thought he was going to be around that number, 10, right. 12, maybe six. He got half of that. So That's that fair. could play into the Giants' favor a little bit. I hope Xavier McKinney wants to stay here as well. And there is no uh, riff with anybody who is who is a coach on this staff because he's, what, 24 years old too? I would love to have the JP and Xavier McKinney going forward as the two safeties here because I think they're both very – talented individuals who are interchangeable they can handle a variety and that's of another need we don't need in the draft too you that's know what it. i mean it's just something we can sit on that's literally my real th- key thing here like am i going to worry about penny pinching cap that doesn't even really matter in the long run or am i going to are paying him a little too much according to who like what does it matter like or am i going to worry about like opening up a hole on this roster you know like that i don't need to open up right now they have so much shit already to fill out and figure out like, it's just, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not on the let him walk train. I'm okay. Letting like lesser players walk, I guess I would say just at that range at that age. It just, it doesn't feel that way to me. It also depends on how this team feels about Javarius Owens, but more so Dane Belton. Do you yeah. think Dane Belton is that player who can step in and fill 75% of what Xavier McKinney does? I think with Wink Martindale as your defensive coordinator, you need the Dane Beltons of the world because you're going to have Dollar, you're going to have Big Dime, you're going to have all those factors. Now, if Martindale's not here, you might have a defensive coordinator that might rely just on nickel and still have four down linemen, right? 
So it is interesting because a different defensive coordinator not only is going to want their own personnel, but they're going to use their own personnel packages. And some of the pieces that the Giants currently have on their roster that Joe Shane and Brian Dable signed off on might not fit into those packages as well. Yeah, good point. Very good point. Now, a couple things before we get into film. We saw Mm -hmm. a lot of interesting twists in this game. Four-man rush twists. And the one that was a little bit different. Now, we've seen this twist before, but the personnel used is a little bit different because it was Kayvon Thibodeau, no surprise. But Jahad Ward, we saw that three times. It was a twist where Jahad Ward came from like the opposite three technique and looped all the way around Kayvon Thibodeau, who was a four. It was like a four and a five technique. It was like teetering on that. A four technique is... Uh, directly over the tackle five technique on the outside shoulder to tackle. Kayvon would go inward, suck the tackle inward, no tight end. It was to the open side of the formation. And then Jihad Ward, slow Jihad Ward would freaking loop all the way around. I thought that was interesting. They would run cover one behind that pass rush to try to spring some pressure with a four-man rush and manipulate the protection. And there was one thing I wanted to bring up as well, Dan. Yeah. Hate to do it, but we're objective on this podcast because we've been big fans of Michael McFadden this year. Did you see the play with Ramondre Stevenson? It was like a 13-yard gain. In the he second half, ass, yeah. Oh my god, it was bad. My- Michael McFadden went to go like shed a block, saw Ramondre. Ramondre yeah. just like ran through half of his body, and then Michael yeah, McFadden. Yeah. <laughs> Ramondre's probably a oh. bigger human than Michael McFadden, wouldn't you say? He probably weighs I more. So. Probably a stronger human. Yeah, uh, it's like it's a not a great look. I feel like when you see that on film, but I feel like Ramondre had the advantage there because Mike is coming yes. off the block. He's like not as balanced. It just seems like it's advantage for the running back from the start. And he's at a disadvantage, Micah. But obviously when you see it on tape, it's like this Patriots are going to play that back. Like, Oh, you know, make noises like that in the film room because it does look crazy. It does. And I just, you know, we, we applaud him when he does that to running backs, which he's done several times <laughs> yeah. this year. So we, so we have to, uh, we have to, uh, at least call it out when when Ramondre gives it to him like that. And Stevenson's a good running back, man. I enjoyed watching his tape. I did. I think he's um we liked him coming out of the school yeah, as well. You actually, Nick, uh, were you called that one, in my opinion, before anyone really called that one. Thank uh, you. I don't know if you remember that, but I do. Hopefully somebody on this podcast remembers that. Were you where what year did he come out? That would have been twenty twenty one. 2021. Okay. Yeah. I just remember you being like, this is my, one of my sleepers at running back. Yeah. It was him and Khalil Herbert were the two guys that we yeah. both liked on the yeah. podcast who were later round guys at the later guys. Yep. Yeah. All right. Both well, legit. but anyway, Oh, another thing, dude, it was cool to see a Dory Jackson back out there. Did you see him break up oh, that, yep. that early PBU, you know, the early PBU it. was just like such a great heady, smart play, clearly film study. Like clearly this dude was reading the situation perfectly and, and understanding his cues to get in there and make that play. And he's, he's a smart savvy player. I don't know what his future of the team is, but he's definitely a smart savvy player. Like if I was the chiefs or, or a team that likes to run man coverage and it's yeah. not even a prerequisite, but, a, but a team that is consistently competing for a super bowl who might have some money to bring in a big free agent at a key position. Yes. Dory Jackson's that guy. You're going to look at him. He's like, what, 28, right. 28 years old, getting a little bit older. People be like, oh, why is he hitting the free agent market? Because the Giants more than likely won't resign him. If I'm a fan or, or an analyst of one of those teams and they sign a Dory Jackson, I would be ecstatic. Yeah. I think a Dory Jackson is still a very underrated player. Wish he's forced a little bit more turnovers, but the mm-hmm. guy is in phase and the guy can run zone. He can run man. He's a tough tackler. He, he's a little bit underrated as a tackler. And I know he's not having his best season. Still have the utmost respect for a Dory. Yeah, out of all the corners we've watched in recent years, I feel like he, him and Janoris Jenkins have st- stood out to me as being in most in phase con- on a consistent basis of any man. corner. Uh, in man, yeah, of, of anyone I've seen of, uh, through the Giants the last five to ten years. That's why I love doing this podcast, too, because we've watched so much tape, and we yeah. can sit here and we can just gush about Janoris Jenkins and Adore Jackson. And then I think about like James Bradbury. Right. And I have so much respect for James Bradbury, but the style – is so much different yep. than a Dory Jackson. Like I love fit J- Patrick Graham really well. Fit that style oh, of defense dude. really well. He fits and any fits the Eagles really well. He had a nice read on Josh Allen this this past game. That was really well done. There aren't many cornerbacks in the league who are better at reading route concepts, yes. knowing the situation, and then reacting accordingly yep. than James Bradbury. Yep. Sadly, exactly. that's why that he's still able to start, even though like he's lost a lot of his speed and <laughs> <I'm> like. <laughs> Yeah, man, he he really and this is something that I saw when he was uh, at Carolina and the Giants signed him. I was like, damn, mm-hmm. this guy's eyes, man, his instincts and his yeah. eyes are yeah. so good. And it worked out for the Giants. Unfortunately, the Giants were pathetic back. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data 
and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's going on, Big Blue Banter listeners? I'm excited for the football season for several reasons. And one of those reasons is Prize Picks, which is North America's largest independently owned daily fantasy sports platform. And it's so simple to use. Instead of battling thousands of other players, including professionals, sharks, and people who are going to exploit you, you pick more than or less than on two to six player stat projections, and you just watch the winnings roll in. It's very simple to play and gives you a little extra skin. I've set my picks in less than 60 seconds. There are so many stats to choose from, and the withdrawals of funds are easy and quick. Dan and I will be adding a segment to our show before every game where we pick our favorite stats, more or less yards or touchdowns, what have you, and we'll be discussing why from a scheme, matchup, and game theory perspective. I love their promotions and how easy their interface is to operate at prize picks. I may select more on tackles for a loss from Bobby Okereke or Kayvon Thibodeau next game. They also do other sports as well. It's a really cool experience. Please join Dan and I in the fun of prize picks. Go to prizepicks.com banter and use code banter for a first deposit match up to $100. Again, go to prizepicks.com banter and use code banter for a first deposit match up to $100. You will not regret it. Make Little Caesars, the official pizza sponsor of the NFL, Part of your game day. There are few things better in the world than kicking back, watching some football, and biting into some delicious Little Caesars pizza. Order online during our Pizza Pizza pregame, one hour before and three. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Three hours after NFL kickoffs, plus all day on Sunday. And get ready for some football and fun. Choose your favorite Little Caesars pizza or pick the toppings you crave. Old world pepperoni, pepperoni, extra cheese, Italian sausage, olives, onions, pineapple if you're into that. Put it on half the pie, the entire pie. There are so many other options that I don't have time to name. Slap that on a round crust, a thin crust, a stuffed crust, a Detroit style deep dish. Either way, you win. And speaking of winning, Everyone scores with convenient delivery or our in-store pizza portal pickup. So grab some friends and enjoy a few slices during the game. This holiday season, you might be looking for nutritious, convenient meals to keep you energized on jam-packed days. Factor, America's number one ready-to-eat meal delivery service, can help you fuel up fast for breakfast, lunch, and dinner with chef-prepared, dietitian approved ready-to-eat meals delivered straight to your door. You'll save time, eat well, 
and stay on track with your healthy lifestyle while tackling all your holiday to-dos. This November, get Factor and enjoy eating well without the hassle. Simply choose your meals and enjoy fresh, flavor-packed meals delivered straight to your door, ready in just two minutes. No prep, no mess, easy to go, very convenient, ultra tasty. Head to factormeals.com slash bigbluebanter50 and use code bigbluebanter50 to get 50% off. That's code bigbluebanter50, all one word, at factormeals.com slash bigbluebanter50 and you get your 50% off. But let's get into some of this tape from the game, Mr. Dan Schneier. First, I want to go over this third and four play quarter one 744 left this was a conversion by the new england patriots let me just adjust it here and we're going to run the play real quick and i wanted to just highlight this let me find the pause button i wanted to watch both of the pass rushers so let's focus on aziz ojalari was to your right and Kayvon Thibodeau to the left i just found it interesting how they were both able to get around the edge well not both because Kayvon didn't but watch aziz specifically Watch how he bends around 75. So not the best pass rushing move, right? Like he doesn't break contact. 75 right. is able to, to get, get kind of a hold of him. But watch how he bends at the top of the arc and then focus on just his lower body. Like that, that is just, that's yeah. insane flexibility. And I know like no one's going to highlight this, but I, I gush over the little details like this, how he's able to bring his, his foot right here and then look at how that foot is pointed into the ground. And he's not collapsing on himself. And he has a 300-plus pound offensive tackle shoving his shoulder. And he's still able to stay low, maintain a low center of gravity, be balanced, and then crash into the pocket to where he harasses Mac Jones. Now, Jones gets rid of the football. It's completed to Ezekiel Elliott. Ezekiel Elliott falls forward for a first down. But I have just so much respect and admiration for how Aziz Ojolari can do this through contact because not a lot of guys in the NFL can. Yeah, it's definitely his calling card as a trait. We'd love to see it more often this year, and I feel like he's still not 100%, in my opinion, watching him, but on this rep, in the, on this rep it's a definitely a good one. Now, Kayvon, I wanted to focus on both of them. Kayvon tries to win around the, the edge. He can't, but watch how he just bounces right back to the inside while tossing that tackle up the arc to create a lane into Mac yeah. Jones. The instantaneous movement ability of Kayvon Thibodeau is something that has popped to me over the last couple of weeks. And it's really excited me because we saw it. I think it was against Washington where he had, I, I can't remember what Carl Banks uh, termed it, but he had like a, a specific term for the pass rushing move and it ended up resulting in a sack where he just turned the tackle around and made him look like a fool here. He goes up and he kind of does the same thing. Stops on a dime. Once he realizes he doesn't have the leverage to bend around the edge, goes right back to the inside. Now, if he had maybe a little bit more time, he could have crashed in the pocket Aziz would have got there already. But I like that adjustment ability. We've talked a lot about having a pass rush plan. I want you to have a counter punch. If you get punched in the face, I want you to have that uppercut, right? You have a good jab. You have a good first move. You can even string a one, two together. Do you have a three? Can you come with the uppercut? Can you yeah. come with the hook? And that's exactly what Kayvon is developing. We're seeing it in real time because you can see how he tries to attack with the hands. He gets hand to hand. They basically hold hands here. He's trying to get that rip move, which we've seen Kayvon Thibodeau do so many times, Dan, right? Get that rip move, then bend around the edge, realizes he can't. Let me just use power and then go right back to the inside. Also like how he tries to set up this pass rushing move by that first initial inside step. Inside step, dip the shoulder, explode high, can't get it, go back to the inside. Yep. Just create small advantages for yourself. So that's just one thing I wanted to focus on because I'm excited about these two pass rushers, even though we don't see 51 enough. And I like how something we've talked about in the past is we want to see Kayvon Thibodeau be able to get to those counter moves as a pass rusher and something that we want to see added to his game. We're starting to see that added to his game. We're starting to see a lot of things we asked for added to his game. Counter moves, uh, not only that, just having a more of a pass rush plan we asked for. We're getting that as well. There's just different things that you're seeing in the evolution of a player who's only in his second year that are really exciting, in my opinion. Like Kayvon Thibodeau, at this point, I consider him a locked in clear-cut building block for this franchise no matter what happens at the end of the season and he could honestly get to like 15 sacks he still has a bunch of games left and he was close to another at least two I from my memory in this game so I think that you know it's just a great to see the things that you ask for in the preseason the, the aspects of his game that you want to see improve start to have tangible evidence on tape of those things actually improving and you get the explosiveness from Aziz which we know he still possesses it's just he just needs to stay healthy like yep. he doesn't really need to do much to get around this tackle, right? Just 
stabs him a little bit with the, with the inside arm and then just his bend and his burst do the rest. Now let's move on to the second and seven, nine seconds left in the first quarter. This is Deontay Banks interception, bro. Deontay Banks, he's got eyes in the back of his head and we don't talk about it enough. We just don't, man, because this is the, this is a player where on this podcast we have discussed it, but I want to freeze it right here. This is a, essentially like a Yankee type of concept. You have a clear yeah. out off the play action. You have a deep horizontal coming from the backside. So Banks is going with the clear out, but watch right here. He stops himself. He knows he has a middle of the field close safety that he can pass the clear out. Right. Off to. His eyes go directly to Demario Douglas on the backside horizontal cross, which is covered up well by the Giants. Like Micah McFadden is doing a solid job being somewhat in phase underneath of Demario Douglas. And then you have another player, the curl flat player to uh bank side also kind of working underneath that cross. So the giants know that this concept is in the Patriots playbook and they know how to defend it. But I just love how banks gets his eyes on it and then just does a speed turn to work over the top of Demario Douglas and then make this interception on an overthrow from yeah. Mac Jones. Zone awareness is something that Deontay Banks has in spades, and that's not even what his calling card was in college. It was man coverage ability, which we've also seen this season. I know we've brought this, we've brought this up a lot on this podcast, but I feel like a lot of other people need to start acknowledging it. Yeah, it's good if we're going to see other, obviously, analysts acknowledge it, but it's just an added bonus for me. It's like an add-on, as we call it in uh you ever play the game Gin? Oh, I've played Gin with you, right, Nick? I want to say we have, yes. My version of Gin, where you have the knock and you have to get under 10 to knock. We call it an add-on when you already have a run, but you add another card to it. So it doesn't totally make you a new run. It doesn't help you that much, but it's an add-on. And that's an add-on to his game, I think, his awareness and zone coverage and his spatial awareness and his IQ as a defender. We didn't necessarily think... I guess it's not that we didn't think he had it in his in his bag, Nick. I think we just didn't focus on it that much because he was doing so many other things on his tape at Maryland, and his he projects so well as a different you know as just a man coverage corner and wing system. But this is just high football IQ here, like you said. Like I see so many times when we watch the tape on these concepts, it end up being like two or three defense, not just with the Giants, by the way. I'm saying any team we watch every week, Nick, both sides of the ball. I end up seeing a lot of these types of clear out routes drag like three defenders and I'll see like three jerseys from a defense with one guy. And I'm like, why are they wasting all these guys over here? This is a good example of Deontay Banks using himself in a way where he's not wasted. He's actually become the focal point of the play. I'm just wondering why Mac Jones threw this football, because even if Deontay know. Banks was blind. <laughs> Deontay Banks was blind out here. Dan. And look at the accuracy too. look at the ball placement of this thing. This thing just floats on over the banks like four, five, six yards past the intended receiver. Banks is already into his speed term before Mac Jones decides to throw this football. True. Now Mac Jones like, decides to be able to see that. You're right. I'm get. I'm guessing that Mac Jones was trying to sail this out of bounds. And that's why it was okay. off put, but I'd say it's hard to tell because he had like three or four of these in the game. And I'm not even including the one with Mike Kosicki where Mike Kosicki ran the out at, route instead of the seven. Uh, look at Mac Jones base after the throw. Go back. Uh, we would probably see it from here, right? Look at his, yeah. Look at his base after the throw. Oh no, it's easier on the other angle, but he's just full. And I know there's a pass rush, but he's just falling away completely. Like this thing has no chance, in my opinion, of being accurate. Watch that fall oh, away. Yeah, like, you're right. You can't fall away like that after a throw and expect ball placement. This is just bad quarterbacking. Oh man, it's rough being a Patriots fan, but maybe he's done. Maybe like, he's done, Mac Jones. I don't think he'll ever start. Maybe I guess he has to start for this team, maybe a few more games. But I can't imagine him ever getting a job elsewhere. And I said that sarcastically. Don't don't come out of yeah. everybody. It's oh, you said it's tough being a Patriots fan. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck yourselves, Patriots. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You guys had enough. Execute this tank for the second overall pick, maybe the first, if the fucking Panthers win a game, and you guys are going to get Caleb Williams or Drake May. So go fuck yourselves. Oh, gee, has a lot of f bombs. I'm going to have to try to edit out, and I'll probably oh, no. won't. So Just apologies. It'll be a curse podcast. Occasionally, you get a cursed podcast going. You Occasionally. Um, so yeah. here we have a third and four, 439 left in the second quarter. The Patriots are in the field goal range, which did not happen often in this game. This was a game played between the 30-yard lines. <laughs> yes, it was. Was so, bad. <laughs> so they're within the 30-yard lines, which essentially is being on the one-yard line at, at this point because any points mattered if you were in field goal range. But I say that, and then they missed a 35-yard field goal to go to overtime. So what the hell do I know? But this is a cover zero play called by Wink Martindale on a third and four. The Giants are going to fiddle technique. Demario Douglas, who's playing running back. So a fiddle technique means that the outside guy, there's going to be two guys on Demario Douglas assigned to him. If Douglas goes outside, then the outside defender takes him. If he goes inside, then the inside defender takes him. It's kind of like a bracket on Douglas. And that's how the Giants are going to handle it. Man coverage across the board, no safety over the top. 
They're going to have Bobby Okereke up on the line of scrimmage. So there's going to be six defenders on the line of scrimmage. The Giants are going to bring five. Bobby Okereke, he's going to bail off the line of scrimmage, and he's going to be that second guy on the fiddle technique, playing the inside leverage of Demario Douglas, who releases out of the backfield. Nobody picks up because it's a five-man protection. Nobody picks up Isaiah Simmons because the presence of Bobby Okereke forced the center to stay put, and then it forced all of the other offensive linemen to take the other four respective uh Defenders, this is wasting blockers, right? We always talk yep. about how they how Wink Martindale wastes blockers. So now Mac Jones doesn't even account for Bobby Okereke, which that's on Mac Jones. But you can see his eyes go directly to Douglas, trying to get the football to Douglas. Douglas doesn't turn around. He's waiting to get into his break. And oh. then he, <laughs> Mac Jones has to get rid of the football before bad, Isaiah bro. Simmons kills him, throws it right to uh. Bobby Okereke. Look at what he's got on the other side, too. Like he has, he, he could have easily just he was trying to little bit differently and nah, he spot. was trying to he was trying to throw hot and i think douglas now this is mike jones's fault for not accounting for bobby okarake yeah but i think douglas should have saw that there was a free rusher and probably turned around right here sure and he, and he didn't because he's a rookie undrafted kid so he doesn't turn around and you can see mac jones like dude turn around turn around so then at the last second he fires it and okarake oh. is right there to intercept it that's what i think happened on this play look how ugly this interception is my god I know. And okay. And I think he should have tried to house that down the sideline. I don't think the cut, I think the cutback was a little premature. Let's take a look at the cutback. And I love when people cut back on returns. I think sometimes people don't cut back early enough, but I feel like if we run that back just a little bit more, here we go. Right back, 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 back right here. It's him. Just run the sideline. I feel like here, Mac Jones, you'll just stiff arm his ass to the ground. Like, don't even worry about him at that point. Like hit the sideline, stiff arm his ass. Don't cut back there. He doesn't even get tackled by Jones. Ultimately get tackled by this other dude. Yeah, he gets tackled by, I think, one of the linemen. Uh, no, no, it's actually, well, yeah, um, he looks like Is a that lineman. a lineman? That looks like a lineman. Or a Juju guy. probably would have got him at, like, the 15-yard line, but yeah. regardless of the fact that, you, I think you're right, he probably could have done that. But now we'll see from this right. angle. Let's watch Mac Jones' eyes. Mac Jones right here, he sees exactly, like, he looks right at Okereke. Okereke bails, see how the center is wasted, wasted blockers, and then you have a hat on a hat, but nobody takes Isaiah Simmons because it's a right. five-man protection. And if you're a bad football team with bad protection and a bad quarterback, and I get sometimes you have to run five-man protection, it's easy to say, well, you should do six. You should probably run six-man protection when you're going up against a team like Wink yes. Martindale, who is going to blitz, play cover zero, man coverage across the board. So they don't do that. The Giants get a free rusher. You can see how the center, and there's two guys on Nacho, Hat on hat for everybody else. And then Isaiah Simmons, no one's blocking him. This is why I love Wing Martindale, because he does this routinely. Bobby right. Okereke does a great job just reading Mac Jones' eyes, because Bobby Okereke knows. Bobby Okereke knows Mac Jones is going to try to throw hot off where that blitzing defender is coming from, right. where Isaiah Simmons is coming from. Get the football out of my hands really quickly. And he just reads Mac Jones the entire time and flows right underneath. And tomorrow Douglas is like, ah, oh, crap, that might have been on me too. <laughs> At least I didn't help this situation. It's probably right. what he's thinking. Yeah, I think if he, this is a good angle too to to check out, Dan. I think you're right, man. If he just like hug the sideline there, sideline. yeah, just hug the sideline there and just stiff arm Mac Jones. Like Juju might have got him eventually. I think yeah. I think seven is Juju. And I've been saying it the entire podcast. I hope I hope that's right. But it yeah. has to be. Yeah. Who else is he? Who yeah. Here's a yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Who else? I don't even know. Second, and it's not Taekwon Thornton who it's not Parker we, either. That's nah, not Parker's, Parker's one. Not Parker's one. I think here's a second and eight quarter three thirteen forty nine left in the game. This is just a quick slip screen to Stevenson, one of the uh, 40 screens that they ran. And Micah <laughs> McFadden is not fooled no. whatsoever on this play. So I think this actually came like right after the the run where Micah McFadden got his ass kicked by Stevenson. So you know, he was probably like, he didn't even know his assignment. Like his assignment probably wasn't Ramondre Stevenson, Dan. He was just like, had the whole Bobby Boucher thing. Like, <laughs> that's the guy I'm going to attack. Like, what did you say about my mama? So he just goes right to Stevenson, beats the blocker, and then meets him right as he catches the football and wraps him up. And it's a good play by a 41. Yeah, I love, this is just also a good example of something Nick and I mentioned so many times on the podcast when it comes to Mike McFadden, how well he does a good job of staying low and squaring up with his with the oh, guy yeah. he's trying to tackle. Like, just such a good example of that teach tape type of stuff. Like, watch him here. It's just fun to watch because he really does a great job of the technical stuff. And it's also focused too, which, I mean, it's, yeah. it's something that you would imagine every NFL athlete has, but there's a pump action here from Bailey Zappi. Like Zappi sure. gets the football, turns to the other side. Doesn't even matter. 41 is dialed <laughs> into Ramondre Stevenson this entire time, squares him up, makes a nice physical tackle for a loss of a few yards. And then now we're going to have the Xavier Mc or no, I think, well, let's see. I think this is actually just a running play that I included and I didn't put in my notes, but this is just a, the giants defending counter. And I love Aziz Ojolari and how he was able to really blow this counter play up. 
Now, I know we talk about Aziz Ojolari isn't the best run defender. I don't necessarily think that pertains to the counter rushes mm. because I did a whole breakdown. I think it's on our YouTube. If anybody wants to go check it out from 2021 when the giant before the Giants drafted Aziz Ojolari, it was before because I had a first round. I remember break. that. Yeah. And it was specifically tailored around the squeeze technique. And this yep. is the squeeze technique. The squeeze technique is when you read the block down, step down rules. That's you, your rules as an edge rusher. If you see the tackle block down on the three technique, that means there's going to be pullers from the backside to create extra gaps. You need to squeeze tightly on that. Be very physical in doing so to create a traffic jam. And that's exactly what Aziz Ojolari does here. And Okereke does such a good job scraping over the top of the double team of the three technique, getting outside of Aziz Ojolari because he is because with the squeeze technique and with the wrong arm technique, you're spilling everything to the outside. So watch how Okereke, and this is one of the things I love about McFadden and Okereke working in tandem together. Okereke, he goes right behind the squeeze technique. And then now he is that forced defender. He is that contained defender basically saying, okay, I know you have nowhere to rush because Aziz Ojolari did such a good job creating this traffic, this log jam right here. You're going to get spilled to the outside. I'm going to be waiting for you. And then McFadden also just goes in and helps out. This is just excellent defense. And I'm saying that as the three technique gets driven to the ground and <laughs> not show right here. Like, he gets planted, but it didn't matter because Aziz Ojolari did such a good job. DJ Davidson did a solid job also pushing the center back into the rushing lane. And then you have both of those linebackers right where they need to be. I absolutely love watching good linebacker play against power gap and counter concepts. And we've seen a lot of it this season. And thankfully, because last year it was depressing. Yeah, it really was. And it was something we discussed in the offseason. It's crazy how you know, it's a, it's a little, I guess, bittersweet, Nick, because we always said in the offseason, like the number one thing they need to fix is how to stop counter a power gap runs and counter. And they figured figuratively for the most part, figured it out and fixed in the linebacker play is just light years. And yet the giants are still a four and eight team. So it just shows kind of <laughs> how like that was their biggest gripe. That was the biggest thing they needed to fix. But of course they also needed to make sure that their offense could stay on track. And I also just really want to show Xavier McKinney as the middle of the field, close safety. Dan, we, we've talked a lot about Xavier McKinney. Wow playing single high, playing center field in a, in a middle of the field, closed predominant defense. And I initially thought that this was just a terrible throw by Bailey Zappi. I still don't think there was a lot of zip on this pass, but this is more Xavier McKinney. Like watch yeah. Xavier McKinney and film study. I think this, this Patriots offense is, is very predictable. You have the jet sweep um, yeah. motion. Then you have the play action and watch Xavier McKinney gains a little bit of depth. And you can't see Bailey Zappi, unfortunately, but well before the football even comes out, Xavier McKinney is driving on the cross because he knows that there's no other eligible receiver. There's only a two-man route right. concept with with uh, with um with another receiver who's just chilling in the flat. It's a two-man route concept. He knows and he trusts that Dory Jackson is going to overlap to take the post if Deontay Banks' guy runs a post. So he knows he has carte blanche to just drive down on this horizontal cross because that's the play, that's the pass that this Patriots team or that this offense is devising for. And he just robs it, man. And he just takes a beeline right to the numbers where yep. the football is coming out. And I know it sucks because we can't see uh, my all 22. It doesn't show uh, the quarterback, but that's just an excellent play by Xavier McKinney, man. That's, that, that's understanding the situation and maximizing timing. And that's something I absolutely love to see, man, from, uh, from our veteran uh, safety. It's timing. It's taking the right angle to the football. The instincts This is something that he showed off. I remember that first time I really knew he was special in that regard. This was before his breakout interception season with Patrick Graham it was the year before he had a drive on a ball on Dak Prescott that he nearly intercepted from an angle. He should have never been able to. And he just has a really good instinct. And I believe spatial awareness to really understand the angles and where to take your line. Like you said, it's like a beeline. He took the right line here. That's the thing. He took the exact line to the football, and that's why he's able to make this play. I, you know, Xavier McKinney's a player who has so much talent to me. 24 years old, again, I just don't see the point in letting a guy like that walk to save a little cap space when you're likely to be not paying the quarterback at some point in the next two to three years. Also look at this play and just how the Giants defense like had each other's backs. Again, this is against a really crappy offense that's somewhat predictable, but Cordell Flock gets cleared out by Tyquan Thornton's motion. You right. have Jason Pinnock who steps down. Okay, it's not going to be a, a running play because this was a play action. And then he drops to the curl flat and then watch a Dory Jackson just recover or right. cover, I should say, for, for Xavier McKinney. He's like, okay, Xavier McKinney, he's driving on the cross. I got your back. If this is a post, yeah. I'll undercut and help out Deontay Banks. Just good, solid 
team defense. And that was a cool example by you, the little details. I thought you brought up a great little detail there, Nick, about just how much football IQ McKinney has in this regard because he knows that he can drive on the cross because he has that help from the backside on the post from a Dory if he needs it. If he doesn't feel like he had, he has to process that all in real time. If he doesn't think he has that, he may not make that decision to make that drive on the ball. And it just all works in real time and the timing of it is perfect. All right, Nick, let's dive into some superlatives from the game here for the Giants on the defensive side of the ball. We'll start here with, as I scroll down, your unheralded player on tape. My unheralded player for week 12 was Jason Pinnock being used by the line of scrimmage. I felt like um, we saw a little bit more. And he's always physical, but we saw his presence near the line of scrimmage more than we've seen in previous weeks, which I appreciate it because that allows Xavier McKinney to play deeper. And we saw how that resulted in a turnover. Like, this is the only interception Xavier McKinney had this season. And it just so happens, it seemed like, at least to me, don't have the stats in front of me, that Xavier McKinney was playing a little bit more in that single high role with Jason Pinnock operating in the box. So maybe that's a trust factor with Jason Pinnock, responsibilities. Maybe it was a game plan thing. But I appreciated seeing good old Xavier McKinney on the back end a little bit more. Completely agree with that. It's something I've been calling for for a while that I want to see. I think it's his best use, and it helps when you have a player like Pinnock. He also is my unheralded player. How about your highest effort player? I had a few guys in the mix for me. Yeah, there were a few guys in the mix for me as well, but I put down Kayvon Thibodeau as a high. I also put down Thibodeau. Okay, so I, I was it was between him, McKinney, Pinnock, and, and Okereke, but I also went Thibodeau. <laughs> yeah, so the, the Thibodeau one, I put up a tweet. It was something like, yes. yeah, this. well, I can't remember exactly what I said. I was sarcastic, and uh, it ended up going kind of like viral, at least around like Giants Twitter, and I was just like, oh, wow, because he has so many other plays that are better than that one, but it was just him going around the edge, kind of getting knocked down and getting up, and I think that was actually counted as a sack because Mac yeah. Jones got brought down before the line of scrimmage, but uh, just the narrative, like we said it so many times, the narrative was always trash. It was it was a dumb narrative. Bad narrative. Best player on tape for you overall without Dex in the game. To usually, yeah. usually takes it. Xavier McKinney. Xavier McKinney was the was the best player for yes. me on tape. Just not just the interception that we broke down, but also him being in position all the time. This tape from a best player standpoint, look, the Patriots didn't try to do much, but this could have easily been Bobby Okereke as well. Agreed. Um, how about player we expect to see more from? I don't really have an expect to see more from uh, this week. What about you? I have Ojolari. I like the rep you showed, Nick, but... I just expect to see more from Ojolari at this point. I know he only played like 18 snaps, so let me get the exact number. It was something really low in this game. Let me see exactly what it was. He played, no, he played 38 snaps in this one, and he had 25 pass rush snaps, and he had one total uh, pressure in 20. It's just, I expected more from this guy. Like, I felt like he was a borderline first-round pick. I know you had a first-round grade on him, even though they got him in the second round. And I know he's playing hurt. I'm sure he's not 100% healthy, but at this point, he, he he's definitely on my list. I'm expecting and hoping down the stretch that I can get excited about him going into next year, you know? And this is not the type of game that gets me excited about him. Yeah, I didn't really have anybody for this. How about pass rushing grade 1 through 10? Pass rushing grade, I had a 6.9. Okay, I had 7.1. I was also very excited about it. How about the run defense 1 through 10? Run defense, let's go with a 5.9. Okay, I had 5-8 down for run defense. That was pretty good with the exception of a few plays. All right, everyone, that's all the time we have for today on the Big Blue Banter Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. I thank you all who checked out our Joe Shane press conference takeaways. I know that got a lot of comments and a lot of interaction, so we appreciate that. More of that type of content will be on the way as well. Thank you so much. Have a great rest of your night and week, and we'll talk to you soon.